Hey guys, as some of you know, my name is Kevin, and last year I told my story of what happened on October 1st, 2017. It was the craziest day and night that I'd ever gone through, but I told the story of, from my point of view of what happened at Route 91 and the horrible massacre that occurred. Since then, I have thought about it, and I want to tell other people's stories as well. So please join us as Kayleen Wheeler, a good friend of mine, is going to take us through her day and what she remembers from that day and that time. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Kayleen Wheeler, and I am a survivor of the Route 91 October 1st shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada. And as we approach the four-year anniversary of the event, I'm excited to sit down and kind of recount my story from that weekend and evening um, because I think it's important that we share our stories and I think that other trauma survivors need to know it's okay to talk about their story. And I think that we make it through and when we are able to talk freely about what happened and how we saw things. Uh, the weekend was a blast. It was my third time attending the Route 91 event in four years in Las Vegas. I had gone with a different group of people every year, so the experience was always a little bit different, but we had fun no matter what. I remember the weekend being really beautiful. It was that typical fall weekend in Las Vegas where it's still kind of warm during the day, but in the evening it cools down. The sunsets were always beautifully reflecting off the side of the Mandalay Bay. You could see the lights of the entire strip, and the atmosphere is just always electric at Route 91. Everyone is there for a good time. Old, young, babies, kids, parents, grandparents, it just always brought in such a varied group of people to the event uh, that there you couldn't be upset you couldn't be sad you couldn't there was no one size fits all there it's just a good day we saw so many performers I to this day someone will be like oh we saw them at route 91 and I'm like oh we did so I probably had that many beers because sometimes I forget who we saw but Sunday I remember being so excited because uh, my friend who had worked the event the two previous nights had asked if she could come and watch the concert with my friends and I. She's not a huge country music fan, but wanted to spend the day with us because she saw how much fun everybody was having. So that morning, uh, we all met at the Mandalay Bay parking garage, did a little bit of car barring, and then headed over to the, the grounds where the event was taking place at. Had a great time, listened to a ton of music, went back and forth through the, the grounds just to see the different um, like shops and stores and food vendors and things like that. And I remember like the weather had changed that day. So it was cooler than it had been the rest of the weekend, but we were all super excited to just be there together. I think there were about 15 of us in our group that had been together the whole weekend, but don't count, like, I wouldn't be able to recount that now, but I think that's where we were. And we all pretty much stayed on the same side of the stage in the same place all three days. We were to the right of the sound equipment on the side closest to Mandalay Bay. We had a great spot there. We were close to the bars, close to food. Um, it was just a great spot right there at the edge of the lawn where we were close enough to, to see everything and not have to have binoculars, but far enough not to be trampled by everybody who wanted to be in front of the stage. And uh, I remember before Jason Aldean came on, 
Brandy and I decided we were going to go have some food. So we ran around and looked at different places and ended up at this barbecue stand, just having the best barbecue, getting ready to see Aldine. And I had said to our friends, um, I'm not going to stay for Aldine this year because I saw him the first Route 91 and I had to work the next day. And I mean, I am a teacher, so it's pretty hard to go to work hungover on a Monday morning. Um, but it was important for me that I made it near, made it known that I just wasn't going to stay that night. And, you know, your friends have a way of talking you into doing things. And so after a lot of pleading and um, asking me to stay and just finish out the evening with them, I said, sure, you know what, I will. Um, I'm just obviously not going to have another beer, but I'm going to hang out and watch Jason Aldean and then I'll go home. So Jason came on and was playing a great set. Um, I think around 9.45, I heard what I thought was a crack in the track. And I looked over at my friend who was standing next to me and I was like, oh man, his engineers really need to fix whatever is going on because like his track is cracking behind his vocals. Um, and at that time, didn't think anything of it. Everybody was having a great time. Cell phone lights were up in the air. Beers were up in the air. Everybody was singing along and dancing. And then we heard what sounded like firecrackers. And uh, the whole crowd on our side of the stage just visibly shifted to the left or away from Mandalay Bay. And you could sense that something was up, but you weren't really sure what it was at that moment. There was just like this heightened electricity in the air that was like just this feeling of staticness, um, quiet but loud, but just this crazy feeling like, I don't know what's happening. Do we stay? Do we go? Are those fireworks? Are they firecrackers? What is that? Um, and then... I don't know if that's when like the grand show, I'm going to call it, started happening. Um, but I looked over at my friend who was standing shoulder to shoulder with me and she was gushing blood. Then I remember like the semi-automatic firing starting and chaos and we had no clue what to do. So I grabbed her shirt and stuffed it in her wound and our friend yelled out to hit the ground. So we hit the ground. Um, I remember I had this tiny little Marc Jacobs um, purse wrapped around, and so I pulled it up to cover my head with my other hand in my friend's wound as bullets were flying by us. There was like a feel in the air when the bullets cut through the air. That's how close they were coming. Um, they You could hear them go by, and you're just thinking like, oh my God, what is going on? where are we? Like, this should not be happening right now. And I remember thinking three things in my head. Like, if I don't make it, there are these th three things that I'm never going to be able to finish, like, write my story in life. Um, and I'm not going to share those because those are those private things that you have to keep to yourself. But um, I remember shouting to my friend group that my other friend had been hit and no one heard anything. That's how loud the sounds of the gunfire were. You just couldn't hear anything over that. And eventually there was a slight break and I think we all jumped up, but that's where all of our stories kind of change because we all went in different directions. Um, I ended up jumping up with my friend and my hand was still in her wound and we took off. Um, as we were running, towards the, 
I guess we were heading away from the Mandalay Bay, so towards the backside of the event grounds. Two girls got hit on either side of us, and in my head, I knew that they went down and were not okay, but your heart wants to tell you something different. In that moment, there wasn't time to stop. You just had to go. So we ran and we made it to the center of the grounds where the electrical equipment and shipping containers for the bar drinks and things like that were, and we couldn't get any further. So we ended up running under a table and into a shipping container where it was being used for a cooler, so beers and sodas and waters. There were already a bunch of people inside the shipping container, so we were close to the opening. Um, but people kept pushing in. Um, I ended up on the side of the shipping container that was facing the Mandalay Bay, and you could hear the bullets just ricocheting off the steel of the container. I was sitting on top of the cases of Diet Coke and Coke with beers and um, the Bud Light Lime Maritas in front of me with my hand still in the wound, and this lady shouted across the shipping container, hey, I'm a nurse, let me take over. So she took over and had my friend. Another couple ran in, and the guy shoved his girlfriend on top of me, Um, and he came and kind of had us just up against the side of the container while the nurse was tending to my friend. Some other guys ran in behind us, and as people are coming in, you know, everyone in the shipping container was screaming, close the doors, we have to close the doors, no one knows where it's coming from. And I'm just thinking at this time, like, if this guy's on the ground causing this much damage and he comes into this shipping container, we are all sitting ducks. There's no way out except the doors that he's coming in. Because we really didn't know where it was coming from at that point, we just knew that it was happening. So a couple more guys ran into the shipping container and crouched down behind the nurse and my friend. And all of a sudden, one of them yelled, oh, my God, I've been hit to this day. I don't understand how that bullet made it in those doors. Um, But he had been hit. And it was at that moment that I realized I still had one of our friend's um, flannel shirts tied around my purse. So people were shouting for a tourniquet. I ripped that off. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, Your shirt has gone to a better cause. But it was used to uh, stop the bleed for that that gentleman. I'm not sure how long we were in the shipping container, um, but eventually things got quiet. And it was, I looked down and my hands were covered in blood. Um, There was, you know, blood just dripping down the floor of the shipping container. And after who knows how many minutes, some guy came up to the door and said, we need everyone to evacuate. And the man who had thrown his girlfriend on top of me stopped everybody and was like, hold up, I'm law enforcement from another state who is asking that we evacuate the shipping container. And the gentleman at the door said, uh, the police have asked us to clear out the event venue. So at that time, they asked that everyone who was uninjured to please walk gingerly out not to disturb those who had been injured and that we would get help for those who had been injured once uh, the uninjured had left the shipping container. So at that point, everybody had gotten out and there were only a few of us left in there. And um, Ash, you know, we were asked who needed help, who needed to go where. Uh, We were told help was coming. It wasn't. I needed to get my friend, obviously, to the hospital. That was the only thing I had in my head was, like, I've got to get her 
to the hospital. She's been hit. We've got to get out of here. Um, so I said, come on, we got to go. And uh, my friend said, I can't. I can't move. I, I can't do this. And I said, well, that's not an option. We've got to go. Uh, so some good Samaritan picked her up, and he's like, let's go. I'll take you guys to where you need to go. So he carried her as I followed to this place that they told us was a medical tent, when in all actuality, it just happened to be one of the indoor bars on the, the fairgrounds that we were at. And so at that moment, he put her on a couch, and I ran over to grab some paper towels because I didn't know if we were talking a flesh wound or what, but I just knew that I needed to clean it while we waited for help. In that moment, um, a man, they brought a man in on a wheelbarrow. They brought people in on the metal gates that are used to, you know, block people from getting too close to the stage. They were using those as makeshift stretchers. I jumped behind the bar to grab a water and paper towels to clean the wound. And I remember thinking to myself, OMG, if I take this water, I am stealing it. Now, mind you, a couple minutes before that, when we were in the shipping container and I looked down and had blood all over my hands, I grabbed a McUltra, cracked it open, and washed my hands before we walked out. So it didn't faze me that I was cracking a McUltra that was also, you know, kind of stealing when I washed my hands. But for some reason, that thought hit me when we got to the me grabbing water to wash the wound. Um, as I was back there getting water, people started shouting they needed ice bags, they needed this, they needed that. So I kind of became one of those people who was filling ice bags from bar containers and passing them over, but I knew I needed to get back to my friend. So I um, walked over, and at that point, more people had come in and said, this is not a medical tent, you have to go further. So I said to my friend, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get you help. There's no one coming here. We have to go. And she said, Kayleen, I can't walk. I can't move. I can't do it. And I said, that's, once again, that's not our choice. Like, we have to go. Um, and another good Samaritan, to this day, don't know who any of these people are, grabbed her and lifted her up like she weighed nothing and walked us out to the backside of the grounds where they were lining people up to get to ambulances. So we got out there and we were sitting on a curb waiting for what would happen next. Um, and that's when I, I saw Dan Bolzerian, who is, you know, an Instagram playboy. I guess that's kind of what he's notorious for. Um, I know he got a lot of flack that night because people said he was running back in to try to shoot his gun. But I can tell you for a fact that man was on the backside of that street, walked up to a metro officer, grabbed gloves, and started providing medical aid to the injured that were back there on that street. So kudos to him for that. Um, at that point, we didn't know how we were getting to the hospital. We didn't know where the ambulances were. So we finally got directed to the staging area for the ambulances. A nice man in a CSC security shirt threw us and a couple other people into his Suburban to take us over there, got us to the ambulance checkpoint, and um, I remember running out and getting my friend out of the car to put her in the ambulance, and an EMT looked at me and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, my friend's been shot. We need to get to the hospital, so I, I need you to take us there because that's what you're here for. And he said, I'm really sorry. The ambulance is full. And I was like, well, what are we supposed to do? And he said, I need you to tell whoever just drove you here to turn on his flashers, honk his horn, and get you guys to Sunrise Hospital. 
He goes, is there anyone else injured in the car? And I said, yes, there is. And he's like, okay, that's what you guys need to do. At that moment, I saw a lot of like lights. Um, I didn't put two and two together that it was news cameras, but they were there. So we got back in the car and I told the gentleman, hey, the EMT said, turn on your flashers, run out every red light, honk your horn and take us to Sunrise Hospital. And this gentleman said, okay. There was no questions asked. He was taking us to the hospital. So at this point, I know it was still uh, it was still before 11 o'clock at night um, because I remember looking at the dashboard. I called the principal for the school that I worked at at the time and told her I wasn't going to be able to be at work the next day, that there had been a shooting, and I was on my way to the hospital. Uh, she was confused and asked, had I talked to any of our other coworkers who had been there? And I said I had talked to four out of the five. Um, and then my friend, I remember, called and said, I need your ID number because I'm putting in a sub for you tomorrow. Uh, as we went to the hospital, we honked and people flicked us off and we drove around cars and people flashed their lights at us and honked because the city didn't know what was happening at that point. They didn't realize that there were no more ambulances to get people to the hospital and that good Samaritans and everyday civilians were driving people to get them there. So... When we pulled into the Sunrise Hospital um, emergency driveway, it was 11 o'clock on the dot, and we pulled in behind pickup trucks full of people that were dumping bodies out of the back. Um, nurses were out there. Staff, hospital staff were out there to take everybody that they could. They had stretchers and wheelchairs and just everything, and they were trying to, to, trying to you know, get people into the ER as quickly as possible but the overwhelming number of people that were coming into that ambulance drive was just unreal. There was blood everywhere. Um, we, got, we got everybody unloaded, and that's when my friend and I were separated. Uh, she, they took her one way. She threw me one of her two phones because she had a work phone and her personal phone, and uh, so I was the receiver of one of the phones, and they took her back to do work, and uh, I was now all by myself. So I walked into the visitor area of the emergency room and looked around and was just shocked. Um, people, you know, are missing shoes and shirts and um, covered in blood of their friends and family and in shock. And... <laughs> The hospital emergency room had footage on the news going just of the shooting and replaying the shooting and of all the people. And finally, someone did say, like, hey, we need to turn this off. Like, we, we can't be sitting here watching this. Um, but I remember sitting down thinking, holy crap, I'm really by myself now. Um, my friend texted and said, do I need to come down there and sit with you? And... Of course, me being the strong, independent person that I am, I responded, no, I don't need you here. Um, I looked down, and I still had blood in my fingernails, so I jumped up to go to the bathroom and wash it and scrub it and came back out and sat back down and resent a text that said, please get here now. While I was waiting for him to show up, I looked up and I saw one of our other friends sitting in the emergency room. And I had just been with her and her boyfriend right before all this happened. They were part of our group. And I said, why are you here? And she said, because he got shot. Why? And she's like, why are you here? And I said, well, because my friend got shot. 
So at that moment, I was no longer alone, but I knew that we had bigger problems than any of us knew about because we were now all just finally reconnecting with one another. We sat in the emergency room for a long time. Uh, My friend finally did show up to uh, be there with me so that I was not alone. Um, He walked in in a black hoodie and was held up by the SWAT team as he tried to get into the emergency room, but they realized he was not a threat and let him in to come and sit with me. There was also some chaos at the doors of the emergency room. Uh, Sunrise Hospital is known for treating a lot of our, um, you know, our homeless population or underserved population in Las Vegas. So uh, there was some chaos that had to be dealt with at the door and they were locked. Um, But, you know, they kept us very, very, very safe and very calm in the emergency room waiting area. Um, At one point in the evening, I looked down and... Um, although my fingers and hands were clean, my wristband from the concert was red and it hadn't started out red and I had to have it off immediately. So I jumped up to the nurse's station and asked if they had scissors to cut it off. Uh, there was no one back there. So then I asked an armed security guard if he could please cut it off because it had to be off now. I couldn't have it on anymore. Um, and he luckily did have some emergency scissors on him and was able to cut that off. A little while later, we were all moved to a different area of the hospital. I think it must have been one of their conference rooms or training rooms or something like that. But it was a wide open room with tables and chairs and just different places you could lounge. Um, They brought in cell phone chargers, ibuprofen. Ronald McDonald House sent uh, sandwiches and fruit. There were blankets. There were um, the hospital staff brought in scrubs for people who needed to put on a shirt or anything like that. Um, Sunrise Hospital, I cannot say enough good things about them and how they treated everyone that night. I can tell you that that is a hard place to be when you're sitting in a room and doctors keep coming in and asking if so-and-so knows so-and-so and then you see them walk over to someone with the chaplain and you know that that family member didn't make it that friend wasn't coming home. That that was a tough one. We knew that our friends were okay and that they were just going to, you know, involve some minor physical, uh, you know, operations, surgeries, whatever you want to call it, that we were getting them back. But sitting in that room for that long and seeing that many people told that their friends weren't coming home um, is a tough pill to swallow. The FBI also came in at about 4 o'clock in the morning. There are about 30 of them that came into the room with dogs and asked if anyone had, you know, footage of the event or pictures of the event. Uh, That's kind of a loaded question when you've just been at a three-day country music festival. Um, And so finally, a brave gentleman in the room said, we have just been here for three days. Do you want pictures of the last three days or do you want pictures of the event or what? And so they gave a little bit more explicit direction. Um, There were also hospital personnel coming around um, trying to identify Jane and John Doe's that were in the hospital. Um, They would ask us if our friends had any identifying marks that we knew of, things like that. So I think um, myself and our other friend are the two people in our group that really saw the backside of, of the the chaos of that evening I mean we all lived it but our experience from the hospital on was so different 
Um, our friends did come. We, we finally gathered. There were quite a few of us before we got moved to the room, and we had started to check in via text message and whatnot. But um, we all knew everybody was accounted for, and that was the most important part. Uh, my friend got released from Sunrise Hospital at 7 a.m. the next morning. So we had been there for nine hours, eight hours. And when I walked out, the sun was coming up, and I was just in complete shock. I, you don't know what you've just lived through. I think that's that moment like, okay, the chaos is over. Now I can think about this, and holy crap. So my friend drove me home, and I remember jumping out of the truck when we got to my place, and I looked at him, and I was like, I have to go throw my shoes in the dumpster. And he's like, why? And I said, because they're covered in blood, and I can't, I can't have that. Well, there was a lovely lady out walking her dog, and she looked up when I said that and gave us the weirdest look ever, like, oh, why are they covered in blood? Um, but I did. I walked right over that dumpster, and I threw those shoes in the trash, um, I walked into the house, showered, threw the clothes I was wearing in the trash, hung that purse on my door. That purse hung on my door for six months until we, until our friend group back, got back from the stagecoach that following year. And then I wrapped it up in a pink box, and it is still to this day wrapped up in that pink box. It's not going to come back out. It's kind of the, one of those silly things, but um, it was, you know, one of those things that I did for myself. So that was the craziness of the 24 hours of, you know, October 1. Um, are we lucky as all get out? Absolutely. A couple months later, when the police report came out, I looked at the map. I read the first couple pages, and I just, I lived it. I didn't need to read the rest of the 80-something pages, but I, I happened to look at the map. And on the map, they had numbers, and each number signified where a body had been found at the concert. I'm going to tell you 80 to 90% of those bodies were found where my friends and I were standing. So the fact that we were all okay, uh, we couldn't have asked for a better outcome. But I can tell you that the two girls that I thought went down definitely went down and um, did not survive. And that was confirmed by the numbers and the names on that map. Um, so, you know, I, I know that there's things that have faded in four years. I know the pictures in my head aren't as clear as they were. Um, I can tell you that I think all of our friend group is handling it pretty well. I still have some things that really bother me. Um, the, the sound of helicopters overhead uh, makes me a little anxious. And I found out a few months later that there were helicopters circling that night afterwards. Um, I don't do any place where I cannot see the entrance. So my back cannot be to the door um, at a restaurant, at church, at the movie theater. There just aren't places that I, I go anymore because I'm not okay with that. And I notice every September, like my anxiety just increases. And I think it's because, you know, the back of our brain knows that for everybody else, October 1 is just October 1. It's another day on the calendar. But for us, it's one more day that we've made it since October 1, 2017. Um, with our friend group, when we hit that first anniversary, I bought a cake. And I bought the cake because I wanted to try to flip the script on what October 1 was for us. Because we could all be 
in this really devastating place. And we have every right to be in that really devastating place because we went through hell. But if we flipped it and made it that we are survivors and we did this and we came out stronger a year later and it's our birthday, it's our friendship birthday. So every year, whatever we do, um, I show up with a cake or a dessert, we have a candle uh, and, and try to just make that day about our friendship and our friend group and being okay and if we need to cry, we cry. If we need to laugh, we laugh. If we need to talk it through and reminisce, we do. And we know it's a safe space. So um, through all the bad, I think there has been a lot of good. Uh, I think when you look at you know layers of friendship and circles, you know we have that core group was there that was there, um, but our friends that weren't there were also impacted because they now have to deal with all of us who have gone through this trauma and they have supported us every step of the way. Um, if we needed to leave somewhere, if we're not okay somewhere, our friends are always checking on us. So thank you to you guys for being there and for knowing that there are just our times we're probably not gonna be okay um, and not giving up on us for that. Um, and I, you know, I think that we just have to keep moving forward and sharing our story and talking about things. I mean, I work in the school district, so every day for me, I think about like, this could be the day that I'm on campus and something happens because it's just becoming too too frequently and too common, you know, things like that. So I worry about like, hey, I'm at work today and the school could be shot up or I'm out at a grocery store and the school should be could be shot up. Uh, that's something that not everybody has to live with, but those of us who have lived through it, live with every day. So. Um, that's my story. I hope that I continue to um, take a positive spin on a really bad night and know that, you know, I love everyone who reached out. I got a gazillion calls, a gazillion text messages. I don't remember them all. I, I don't remember them all from that week and probably the couple weeks after that. Um, but for all of my friends who reached out, and family too, obviously my family was a huge part in that, but uh, for, from different countries, from different states, I love you. Thank you. Um, if you want to share this story with others, please do. And if you have questions, please ask and know that I'm grateful for my friends who were there with me who continue to go through this together.